Hello and welcome to Merlin Leadership Unplugged. I am your host, Jana Papa, and I am the Group Head of Leadership Development here at Merlin Entertainments. Merlin Leadership Unplugged is a podcast that looks to highlight and celebrate the human behind the leader and all of their inspiring stories. On today's episode of Merlin Leadership Unplugged, I am interviewing my manager. And I never thought I would say that, but the day has arrived. So uh, I have the great pleasure of talking to Graham Johnson, who's our group talent, learning and performance director. Hi, boss. Hi. <laughs> you interview me on like a regular basis. Yeah. It's called our monthly catch up. <laughs> so this is like a more formal setting with proper camera and lights and everything okay. else. Um, our following catch ups will not be like this, just, okay. to, just to manage your expectations. <laughs> in your role in Merlin, I know exactly what you do and what the team is all about yeah. delivering. But for, for those people out there in the world and in the rest of Merlin that don't know what we do, yeah. what is it that we do? What, what do we bring to the people? Oh, wow. Um, so the way I would describe it, I mean, there's three parts to my role. So talent, learning and performance. The talent bit is about how we bring people in. What's our strategy to attract? Like, What do we say about ourselves that's unique? Why should someone come and join Merlin? And then internally within talent, it's like looking strategically across the business to say, who do we have that we should move around? Or who needs more development? What are our risks? So from a board perspective or what the exec are interested in, what commercially where where do we have weak spots that we need to plug mm -hmm. or um take divisional directors as an example last year we did a lot of work to go how do we make sure we've got good succession coming through in that divisional director role so i would look specifically at that that's the talent side um, learning is really broad and we've we focused probably in, in the last 12 months on how do we bring back some of the brilliant things we used to do in merlin on, on our leadership curriculum um, but then how do we take that and then expand it? So we've got a much broader curriculum for everyone. There's a lot of work to do with our frontline mm. um, and with our managers, actually that like frozen middle mm. that quite often don't get any attention or love. That's the next big thing for us. So that that's the learning bucket. And then the third thing on performance is culturally, how do we manage performance here in Merlin? What's our philosophy? Uh, how do we coach people? How do we give them feedback? How do we have good one-to-ones, good career conversations? And there's a rhythm in Merlin as to how you do that, which should be setting objectives, having a personal development plan, having a good career conversation and a good end-of-year review. And it's trying to push that um, rigor in terms of the quality that we do that across Merlin that's our responsibility as a team. So three big buckets, lots of stuff to go after in a perfectly formed small team in the center of the organization. Oh, no, but we're a very mighty team as well. <laughs> in terms of the performance culture, I know we have yeah. spoken a lot about kind of giving feedback and I always say feedback is a gift. Where are we on that journey as a company and, and what do we all need to do daily actively yeah. to really drive that forward? It, it's a great question. My, my observation and, and a lot of the work we've done to talk to our leaders as to how see how effectively we do it i'd say we've got quite weak muscles in terms of feedback and managing performance i think we're brilliant if it comes to um managing like a, a number mm. if there's a target if there's a kpi if there's an nps figure we can have good conversations about why is that number what it you know it should be this number why why not 
if it's behavioral, I think, well, just less confident um, and a little bit more uncomfortable at having conversations to call out um, how people could improve behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the way that you do that is make it a daily ritual. It shouldn't become people leave feedback mm. for too long to until it's gone beyond the point that it could be have been tackled really specifically in a moment. So creating rituals where feedback is just it's just like breathing in and out. It's like food. It's like you're constantly talking to each other and getting comfortable and being able to trust each other that someone's going to point out if you've got something in your teeth mm. um, because they care and they want to challenge you, but they also want to do it in a way that's supportive. Um, what do you think stops us? I, I think it's confidence. And I think uh, we're also just a lovely group. There's a family feel to Merlin. And I think, um, but we haven't quite got over that barrier of, I'm going to talk to you about some of the uncomfortable stuff that I see that could help. Um, because we don't want to upset anyone or we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Um, so, yeah, like, so there's some fun work to do. And some pockets of the business that do it brilliantly. Yes. So, um, but, but I'd say the cultural shift we need to make is to um, improve our performance muscles. Agreed. When you receive feedback, is there a way, a style that you prefer that works for you, that has an impact, that makes a difference? Yeah, well, I think as the receiver your responsibility is to listen. Mm. Actually make sure you don't speak. And then quite often, and I've done this in the past, it's like immediately you want to challenge it or you want to give context. Defend or it. Defend it, yeah. Uh, whereas I think the most important thing you can do, like whether you agree with it or not, you've got to take time to process it. And just the fact that you listen, like it's taken the courage from someone to say to say it to you so it means something to them so for no other reason you should just listen and be respectful um take some time to process it mm. we used to run this exercise where it's like you couldn't speak someone would give you feedback just listen yeah listen and there was a group that sat around um observing the feedback conversation and they hold they can only hold up like a tick across or a question mark and they couldn't say what that was and you had to come back to it later just to give people time to reflect on like was that accurate feedback i think and it's got to be specific as well like linked to something that you've done it can't just be general because uh, i think people find that harder to process yeah, and it's t- so it gives you that kind of point of i can action it this way or i should action yeah. it this way yeah. um what's been the most impactful feedback that you've received that you you've really made a difference yeah, yeah, yeah. whether it's you know in your career in, in your style of leadership whatever that is oh my i've had loads um I think the one that's, there's, there's a few that stand out. The one I'd pick out would be my old boss, Viv, uh, from Virgin Media, who was like a big inspiration to me. Uh, she she actually told me some feedback from an interview, uh, okay. which was like, we weren't quite sure whether she'd give you the job because the interviewer said, we think Graham's okay, but he's not really going to set the world on fire. Interesting. It's like, oh my God, like I'm going to prove them wrong. Like I'm going I'm to do some big impactful work. So there was that, but she also said she was brilliant. She was like a master at understanding people mm. and listening. And she unlocked a lot of my potential. And she's like, I can see you've got like real fire in your belly. Um, she gave me the time to express what I, what I wanted to do. Mm. But what she also said was like, just make sure like you, you unleash the, like the lion inside of you. And if you've got a strong opinion, don't hide it or sit on it. Make sure you express it. And she helped me kind of express what I wanted to express 
like more than anybody else ever has in my career. So I think the combination of working with Viv and getting regular feedback from her, but those two specific moments of, I mean, someone saying that I wasn't going to do great work. I'm like, that's probably inspired my last 15 years. I mean, look at that. Look <laughs> yeah. at the power of that feedback. Yeah. And I, I'm hearing in that it's the way that she said it. Yeah. So it didn't leave you deflated or yeah. demotivated. It, mm -hmm. it it achieved exactly the opposite. Yeah. And and how that kind of mastery in the words that you choose to use and what she told you at the time, right? Because it could have gone either way. Yeah. In terms of how that feedback landed on you. Yeah. I think she also knew it was going to serve as like motivation, mm -hmm. as fuel. Because so she knew you well. She understood me. Yeah. Um, and she was really candid. So she said, "Here's the feedback," and then she stopped. She did, Let it didn't say anything else, and neither did I. And I just processed it, and it was like, "What we're we gonna do about that?" I love that. Yeah, so it started. So you know, if somebody's listening and they're thinking, "I've got a piece of feedback to give somebody," that kind of awareness of the person that works for you, and knowing their personality and what works and what doesn't, it's a key characteristic, yeah. isn't it? Yes, yeah, huge. I love that. And flipping that around, a time where you've given feedback and you've seen a big change in somebody or something that's been achieved as a result of your feedback? Yeah, um, of someone's career who, um, so I mentor uh, a lady called Susie Fitzmaurice, who she actually works for King Games. She worked in my old team at Virgin. Um, she was like real high energy, high drive, um, setting good standards in the team. Like she was a great example to everybody. Um, but a little bit impatient mm. and also demanding more. And that was often like more project, but, but it came to a point where it was like more money, more responsibility, mm. new job title. Uh, and I got to the point where I'm like, go somewhere else because you're not going to get that here in the next six months. The best advice I can give you is you're demanding too much too soon. You need a few more laps around the track. If that's really what's driving you, you have to go somewhere else. And like we had this conversation, just I can't believe you. You want me to go somewhere? Like I think that's the best thing. Like figure out what's important. But if money, title, all this extra stuff you want, you're not actually going to get it here. Um, so she did. She went off somewhere else. We then she came back. We worked across paths at BT Sport. Yeah. Um, then she ended up running talent acquisition in my last business, and now she's director of talent acquisition at King. Like doing far greater work than I ever did. So, um, but that, that's, and she, she would probably use that as an example of like, Graham told me I had to go somewhere else and she did. So but it's actionable feedback. Yeah. You, know, you want to change something. That's the answer. Yeah. Sometimes that is the answer. If you look back previously to Merlin in your previous roles, I know you've done a lot of recruitment and a lot of interviews and, you know, that's been a big chunk of your career. Mm. Has there been a moment, an interview that you thought, my goodness, this is one I will never forget? Well, do you know what? The, the most recently, um, the, there has, there's been people I've interviewed. I'm like incredible. They'll be brilliant leaders. Mm. They'll, they'll get the role. Um, personally, I was, I met with a guy called Danny Mayer. Mm. Um, we had uh, some of our leaders in New York a few weeks ago. Uh, so he's a founder, chief executive of the Union Square Hospitality Group. Incredible, like super interesting guy. He's written setting, setting the Table, which I'd read about it. Um, but then we got in touch with him and said, look, could we interview you about your business? He built his business around 
um, some key cornerstones of leadership behaviors are so important. We're not, we, we could have the best food, um, but the service is more important than the food. So like some of his philosophy around yeah. how his business was successful was like super relevant to Merlin. And like, I mean, I got the chance to be in the Empire State Building in the King Kong room. It's a tough job. Interviewing Danny Mayer in front of a group so that we could extract some of his like lessons of leadership. And that's got to be probably the highlight of my career in terms of interviews. That's that's pretty awesome. And for anybody who's listening to this or watching this and, and they're thinking, Graham just said that they've in, he's interviewed people and he knew that they would be great leaders. So what, what are you looking for? What does that look like? Like what, what does the person bring yeah. or carry or show that you go, I think they have the potential to be amazing? I think there's a few things. These are things that we measure as well, by yeah. the way. You know, when we look at leaders, exceptional judgment, I would say is one. The vulnerability to say, I made these decisions with these facts in this context to achieve this result but actually here's the things I got wrong mm. and here's what I would do differently. Or here's the things that I've learned from and I've applied differently. So like vulnerability, it doesn't always happen. I'm interviewing at the moment for a few different roles, some senior roles in Merlin, and that's the bit people are quite often reluctant to share so much because you think it's gonna, it, it's not gonna come across well, but actually that's where the gold dust is. If you can find out, you know, someone being really honest about how they messed up, how something's gone wrong in their life. Um, we had a moment recently where I interviewed someone going to join our team. And like, I thought the moment where they were really vulnerable about what they're learning about themselves and tough times they went through. Got them the job. Like you got to see them, you know, the real person. I mean, interviews are the worst way to, to make decisions of hiring someone, mm. seeing them in action, um, getting them to like show you what they can do as opposed to talk about what they can do. Yet we make so many decisions just on interviews. Um, but yeah, so, so judgment, vulnerability, being really honest about learning. Um, and I think probably the other quality is like the drive and the hunger. Mm. So people who can evidence that. Um, and that in challenging circumstances, we talk about influence in our model of leadership potential. Uh, people who have been in really tough conditions but have achieved more than what was possible because of the way they influenced and build relationships. Um, so judgment, drive, influence would be the three areas that I look for. So it's that a classic thing that I read in a recruitment book ages ago that says attitude over aptitude any yeah. day of the week. So yeah. how do you approach a situation, how you deal with it? So you're looking for all of those things. Yeah, definitely. It's a bit like going back to the performance conversation, like people who look for someone else to do it for them. Mm. Or you have the attitude uh, that you're not going to outsource your performance to somebody else. You're going to take responsibility for it. I think that's what set, sets people apart. Um, and that's what we need. Culturally, that's where we need to go to in terms of shifting Merlin, where you don't look outside of the organization for a coach. You have good conversation with your line manager and you've got an attitude of, I'm going to develop myself. Mm. Um, I think that's the key. And and that you're going to own it and drive it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you spoke a bit about how people deal with failure and mm. it's a word that's been kind of debated lately and there's been a video from a great basketball player at the NBA who challenged during a press conference and said, actually, yeah. I don't believe in failure. I believe in learning from it. Um, and I, I love what you said about the leaders 
um, kind of reflecting on the situation and what they learned rather than seeing it as a as a fail and full stop. Yeah. Has there been a moment in your life or, or a, a thing that you might have thought at the time, actually, this is not great, but then reflecting back or when you interviewed for roles, you actually used it as a scenario to show how it developed you? Uh, yeah, at this below, it's like this, this, like this childhood examples of when I've failed at something and taken it really badly and bottled it and tried to improve. I came last in a swimming competition when I was young because I was determined to swim back Crawl Brock backstroke. Yeah. And everyone else was doing front crawl. And I was like, oh, but I'm best at backstroke. Um, what happened next? I was terrible swimming. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably not a good one. But um What did you learn from it? <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get involved in swimming uh, competitions. I think um I mean a big one for me, um what's important to me is finding somebody who understands me and get the best out of me. And in a previous role before Merlin. I really struggled with a relationship with a boss mm. um, who was probably um, just, just different to me, um, wanted to do things differently. We didn't quite see eye to eye. And I knew the relationship wasn't wasn't going so well. And what I've learned about that is to try and be more empathetic and understand the other person's perspective rather than, you know, um, think that I can't do anything about it, actually, to realize that I can. Um, so I think, that's probably the most recent, most personal one that that's shaped how you see me show up as a leader now in Merlin is as a result of where I didn't get it brilliantly previously. Um, but also having a current line manager in Emma who gets that, understands that, um, and, and, and we have a great relationship. And And how important it is, back to that example you gave with Viv, that kind of spending the time understanding each yeah. other. Um, and I know how much Viv has shaped you as a leader and, and yeah. her leadership style. Is there anybody else that has really made an impact in the Graham we see as the manager today or the Graham we see as the leader in the business? Yeah, there are. Well, there's three people, including Viv. I think at the start of start of your career, the first job you do mm. or your first few years after education or whatever are the ones that shape you. It's the first time you get to experience having a boss and... Mm. Um, the first one for me was Pam, um, and she was, so it worked for, it was a small recruitment agency in the Northeast and they won some big national contracts. So they were trying to scale up really quickly and gave me responsibility really young to go run around the country, leading teams of people who were much more experienced than me, um, almost worked as like a team leader running assessment events. And Pam had basically won this huge multi-million pound contract um, without the team to be able to deliver it. <laughs> Great she, pitch, Pam. Yeah, she, <laughs> oh, that was incredible. But she was like so driven, um, incredible work ethic. So I learned that from Pam, mm. that it was like she was almost like charged towards the mountain, figure, figure it out along the way and get a team who just had the same drive and work ethic. So I definitely got that from Pam. We had moments where like she shouted at me across an office because I did something, like I had an idea and I went to share it with someone she, she she sort of reprimanded me in front of everyone because I should have gone to her first. So I learned a little bit about like chains of command and how not to be. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, but 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 the the drive and the energy and the just just sheer like we're gonna do this attitude. I've definitely got that from Pam. Um, in the same business, I also met it's actually three strong women. So Pam, then Suzanne, um, who was running like an IT 
business, um, setting that up. And she saw a little bit of potential in me and she was incredible. Like she was really flamboyant, high energy, um, had the most amazing like relationships with people and just fantastic at having conversations. And you'd walk into a conversation with Suzanne and end up like pouring out your heart and soul to her. She was a therapist in yeah. disguise. Funny enough, that's what she does now. Like, I love that. That, that was, that's actually her superpower. Um, so she taught me how to build really strong relationships mm. and then Viv kind of unlocked everything else, like the creativity, the, um, the, the, the passion, um, and Viv set, set in terms of the standards, like she would also always come out with something really smart, intelligent, um, or like super creative that nobody else had thought of. So she set the bar high in terms of ideas and strategy. So yeah, three very strong, powerful women. Yeah, three Love women. that. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of talk from Scott, our CEO, around mind, body, soul. Yeah. Doing something, he says, daily if possible. Yeah. He he's a big believer in it. He shared it on the town hall. Mm. Um, he shared how he achieves it and how he he prioritizes it. What does that look like for you? A great question. So mind, body, soul, I hadn't probably thought about it in that context until Scott shared mm. that. My ritual routine was to do as much as I could in terms of fitness. Actually through COVID, I got to be really focused on um, what I eat, diet. Uh, I did the keto diet for about nine months, lost two stone. Nine months? Uh, yeah, I was running 35 miles a month. Wow. Like, whatever my mind is on, like I get obsessed about it. I'm kind of like all or nothing. Mm. And I got really into health, fitness, spending time with the kids, doing the school runs, hanging out with them after school, consciously like switching off from work. Um, like I'll rarely, you know, on an evening and weekend, I, I, I don't tend to work. I'll be intense and I'll start early through the week, but I'll have switch off and family time. So I think I try to be as intentional as I can about those things. Um, that's my, I guess, my version of mind, body, soul. And is there one activity that really kind of empties the brain and resets you? And I think getting outdoors and running, like it's going to crush me at some point. Like as my <laughs> knees are falling apart after years of getting smashed. Figure it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I still try and play dance five side on a Tuesday when I'm not traveling or away. Um, but I've got, I've got to get out. I can't um, not exercise for more than two days. You have to, mm. even if it's just going for a two mile run, um, it helps me clear my mind. I generally come back and then I pour loads of thoughts into like some notes Great. or, yeah. So um, I think that, that running is probably my, my release your thing mm. um and I, I think when people hear oh i need to teach or i need to coach they think oh i need a formal qualification or i need to go to university all of the knowledge exists in their head now today yeah they're smes in their subject areas right so we can give them the toolkit to facilitate a group but yeah. they've got the knowledge already and I, I want people to understand that yeah i agree it's like we can help with the design of how you do that for yeah. an audience but the content of how do we do marketing how, what 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 should an engineer be thinking about or doing like that's got to come from people who do it day in day out from the experts and and i think the more we start doing that mm. 
the more the people that would do a non-training job, let's say, yeah. would enjoy that element as well. Yeah. Because it will give them the opportunity to connect. So I'm I'm really excited about this whole, you know, leaders as teachers and coaches notion yeah. and, and and kind of driving that forward. Um I went out out to the rest of the team and asked for questions. Uh -oh. Knowing what you know now and if you had the ability to go back in time, what year would you like it to be and why? Um, oh, that's a great question. What year would you like it to be? Whoever asked the question, <laughs> it's a great question. Oh, I don't know. I would maybe think of, trying to think of the specific year. Would it be 1991? Okay, what happened there? I was in a rugby uh, semi-final. And I actually came on as a sub. I had a bit of a clash with my PE teacher, which was a bit of a theme at school sometimes. <laughs> uh, Personality traits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we actually lost the semi semi final, but we could have won that game if we'd just run a few different plays. So I think, um, and that's a moment I'll come back to quite regularly. With the knowledge that you have today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what would you do differently? Well, just different instructions to the team. You run a different play. There was a moment where we could have scored and we, we made the wrong move. So like, that's like sticks in my mind is like, oh, man, we could have won the County Cup. Um, so, yeah. What, what would that mean at the time if you had won it? Um, just like pride for everyone yeah. and sense of achievement. And, yeah, it would fuel my obsession for sport even more. Love that. Um Belonging is one of yeah. our three Bs. What does that mean to you? How do you define it? Well, I think very specific. So I think, well, when did I feel like I belonged um, to a team that we cared about, like we had a shared passion to go and achieve something big. And we also just wanted to like hang out and spend time with each other. Like I would, I would get up out of bed at 5 a.m. when I worked at Virgin Media. I lived in Gateshead in the Northeast. I would get up at five o'clock so that I could be in the office in Hamel Hempstead on an industrial estate. Uh, it wasn't a glamorous office, but there was four people there that I just wanted to be there at nine o'clock with them. So we could make tea together, we could chat and we could have fun and then we could start work. Uh, I did that and to the point where I do it so often, people actually didn't realize how far away I lived. Where you actually... I was in the car four hours driving on down the M1 without stopping just so I could get there. And so if I think about belonging, I think we've got something special in our team that we're building. But like that for me is the moment where like I know like I'd bust a gut to be there with mm. that team to hang out. That's my definition. And how can our Merlin leaders create that? What do they, what's the ingredients for that recipe that you had back then? Do you know what? Like fun, mm. actually. Like a leader who is a good laugh to be with. We're doing serious work and we'll focus on that. Um, but it probably just comes back to like what I tell my boys, like have fun, do your best and focus. Um, those are the three things that that team did. Um, that, you know, when I try and build teams, what I'm trying to do with our team is, is probably those three things. And talking about your boys, if I was to ask them, what does daddy do? What's his job? Would they be able to tell me? <laughs> oh, you'd get a real mix. <laughs> like, um, tell me that your job is. Yeah, Arlo, Arlo actually wrote out, so Father's Day recently wrote out a list and of things. And he's four, let's say, to the four, audience, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he wrote down, what does daddy do? Um, he's busy. He sends people lots of messages. Was true, his answer. True and true. Yeah. <laughs> Zach says theme parks. 
So you just run the theme park. He, he, yeah, he yeah. thinks I work at theme park, run theme parks. Jay thinks I actually design theme parks. So our chats in the car recently, he's nine and he's like, oh, dad, you know, Ryan's world on YouTube. I'm like, yeah. So when you design the next theme park, can you chat to Ryan and create Ryan's world? Love it. Well, I could definitely feel that. I'd be opportunity, everybody. I'm like, that's not quite what I do. But he did recently say, oh, dad, you sometimes like teach adult stuff, don't you? Um, And I'm like, yeah, sometimes. Isn't it amazing how kids interpret our, our very grand job titles? Really. Do you know the really simplify it? They boil it down to like the most simple thing where we probably like make it sound like the most complicated thing. So there's a lesson in there, I think. And do you have aspirations for them? I know you said I want them to be committed and work hard and oh, yeah. have fun, but is there anything you're trying to instill in them? Do you know, I, I chat to Karen about this and say, like, should we be more um, pushy? Should we be... You know, uh, we see potential in them. Should we yeah. push push them to? Uh, so I probably need to be, um, or maybe need to be a bit more like that. I see like Jay's an incredible swimmer, and, he, yeah. and he's a great musician. He's a great artist. My grandparents were both artists, and I think he's probably got that gene. Um, so anything I see that he shows some potential, I'm like all in on that. Yeah. I'm like, Encourage let's do more. It. Let's do more of it. Yeah. Um, with Zach, it's numbers. Like he's the mathematician. He loves maths. So we have like, um, like maths quizzes. Future CFO, <laughs> Zach Johnson. <laughs> um, so yeah, whatever. I think it's whatever they're into. Like I'm all in. Yeah, and and just supporting them and creating yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the conditions. But with no pressure and nothing, I, I would never want to push my agenda on them. Like I have this chat with Karen. It's like, well, why do you think they love football so much? And I think it's probably just because like they see me into it and like it's something they can bond with me on over more than probably come from them. So I'm just, I'm quite careful about, I'll never push that. But you can't stop kids seeing the passion that the parent has in something and they feel equally passionate. So as long as it doesn't become like a, you know, an, ob- an obsession, I think. I think we're good. Yeah. Um, what do you do actively? You talked about the importance of fun yeah. and creating that environment for your people and, and the teams that, that you lead. Um, but what do you do to create that environment? What hints and tips can you share with other leaders? I, know. I, I know our team meetings are super fun, yeah. so obviously I can talk, but how do you do that? Maybe I should ask you. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I try to be quite lighthearted mm. when it needs, when there's moments that we can do that spend a lot of time as a team just talking about like how we communicate effectively but also like throw a bit of fun i remember some of our early bonding experiences were um like whose snack is that quiz so we did like trying to get to know each other in less of a traditional way like let's get to know like the real you um what you're watching on netflix at the moment we chat about that sort of thing don't we um what's going on outside of work and bring that in so we can get to see all of you at work. That's important. And I'm probably always banging on about stories of my boys or, um, I, I do like it when as a team, like we share stories. I think that's a good way to bond. Yeah. Um, I agree. But we, we do also have the occasional rap and poem writing and with, shall we, we share <laughs> We do, we do have some very creative minds in the team. And competitive. And very competitive. Yeah. yeah. Not that there is a prize ever apart from the prize is fun, but yeah. there's still, there's still competition. Um, what gets in the way of you being at your absolute best? Oh, wow. Great question. Um, I think 
I don't like, I wrote my leadership constitution quite recently, actually. Um, and this could frustrate other people. You tell me if it frustrates you. I'll be honest. Uh, okay. <laughs> and I can tend to, like, if it, I need to get energy and passion around ideas to make things happen. Mm -hmm. And if there's things that are going to be put in the way of, of, of that, like I'm incredibly optimistic as well. Um, so if I'm told I can't do this because of this process or you haven't considered this, or if the first answer is no, like that will frustrate me where I, and I try and like manage that and understand the other person's perspective. But ultimately I'm like, um, you wouldn't see the best side of me if I was constantly being told, no, 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 I can't do it. Or that idea is bad because of, I want, I want the intent to always be, let's try and make this a yes. Yeah. And how can we make it happen rather than yeah. all, all the things that um, for the kind of stop us and, and all mm. the obstacles? No, I haven't, like, I personally have, but then I don't say no very often. <laughs> it's all about, great idea, let's do it. <laughs> the podcast is one of those. That was one. Cred credit where it's due. You know, this this is your original idea. Um, I like something you say a lot about great leaders cause things to happen. They mm. don't just wait for things to happen. So what are you going to cause to happen this year? Yeah, I love that. Um, and like the idea behind that question is like, basically, if you didn't do anything, um, what would be the result? You know, and the leaders who walk away from a business, it's like, oh, my God, they had such an impact. And if they weren't there, that would have happened. For me and for us as a team, Merlin Learning Universe, the university concept, I'd love to, in three years' time, for that to mean something to people mm -hmm. here who maybe listen to what, what's he talking about the university concept. coming out soon <laughs> yeah like i'd want that to be really meaningful to have made a difference to thousands of people who've been through some fantastic learning experiences and best development experiences of people's lives like mm. we've done that with excalibur rising we've done it recently with excalibur more of those moments um that would be what i would love to cause to happen over the next few years Love it. And it, it's that excitement of something we know is needed, is wanted, and it's finally happening. So yeah. I, I think people listening will also get excited to find out more about it. Just as we're starting to wrap up, yeah. um, we have a, a tradition on this podcast okay. <laughs> where you need to tell me who would you would like to see on that chair. Wow. If you could pick anybody. Yeah. And let's dream big. It doesn't, you know, have to be somebody you know. Yeah. It could be somebody you admire, extend it like yeah. carte blanche. Do you know what? There's some fantastic talent on our Excalibur Rising program. Mm -hmm. I would love like uh, Omari or Janaid or Tom, who's recently got promoted. Uh, you know, one of those, they're early in their career and they're trying to figure out who they are as leaders. and They don't quite have all the answers and they need a few more laps around the track. But actually to get a raw version of them when they're figuring things out would be pretty powerful. And I think to play that back to them in a few years' time, to go, well, that's what I thought then. Um, I think there could be some cool stories in there. So do I invite all three of them? Yeah. Transatlantic podcast. Maybe you get them in duos or, trip, or, or threes, yeah, to sort of bit of power as a team and what a program that's been for people and, yeah. and their development right and where they are today definitely we just need more of it don't yeah we? which we will with early careers because the numbers i heard today we're going from what to what <laughs> we're going to scale up um so last year was a pilot of 13 
Uh, our ambition is to get to 800 across five different tracks, five different programs. So That's definitely a boom moment. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, where is that boom love of come from? Because you use it a lot. I do. <laughs> uh, I don't know, really. Movies, maybe. Movies. Movie. I love a GIF. Yeah. I think the entire team chat on WhatsApp loves a GIF. <laughs> Thank you so much. Pleasure. Obviously, we could talk a lot longer. Um, and we will continue this in our catch-up, but without the cameras. Okay. Um, but thank you so much. Thank you for being open and honest and sharing. Um, and I think we will inspire a few people to actually take control and, and, and you know, drive, drive their team and be the leader they want to be. Thanks. Thank you. Pleasure.